I'm not 
25 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Sabibla 
JM and the AM. Leviathan with Ain Od Milvado here at JM and the AM. <laughs> Ki Malachav, that was Mordechai Shapiro. You heard Eighth Day with Chiri Bim. Lahodos, single from Eitan Freilach. Leif Tahar had Chaverim. We'll bench tomorrow. Those words are from there. Uh, Harim Saviv, brand new Avi Peretz. And of course, Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this August the 18th, day 26 in the month of Av. The year 5777, Tuf and Zion. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Re'eh with the candle lighting time at 729 on this Erev Shabbos in New York. 729, your candle lighting time. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Elul, Tuesday and Wednesday. Rosh Chodesh Elul, Tuesday and Wednesday. A two-day Rosh Chodesh. We'll be, uh, we'll be reading the Torah a lot next week. We'll read the Torah tomorrow, then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and again, of course, on Shabbos. 75 degrees outside with 89% humidity. Winds are south at 8 miles an hour. Thunderstorms, New York area today and tonight. High today, 84. Tonight, 74. Tomorrow, mostly sunny for Shabbos with a high of 88 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 85. We're at 75 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. By the way, and I've got to, I've got to send a um, as I'm doing this, I'm literally sending a text to some of our team members to check out this app comment. And I don't want it to sound I really don't want it to sound um, haughty, but I, to to read and hear the appreciation that some listeners have. What we did this week is amazing. And listener Moshe out there, and I thank you, Moshe, says, Good morning, Nachum, Guten Erev Shabbos, and Shabbos Mborachim Elul. The edge of the wedge of Tishrei, he says. <laughs> I think your listeners, or at least comment readers, should know that you and Miriam spent a harried 90 minutes in Eretz Yisrael before heading back. Mamish modern Messiris Nefesh. Also amazing how you can record a program at a certain time and place, Monday overnight, 35,000 feet up, and perfectly position yourself as if you were live Tuesday morning when it played, including proper breaks, etc. Yashikach for outstanding 21st century service to the Jewish world. I, I can't get over that comment. I really can't. And I thank listener Moshe for it. And yes, it's been an amazing week. And the centerpiece of this week has been, quite obviously, our remarkably short and remarkable journey to Israel. Really amazing. Thank you, Nefesh Benefesh. Thank you to all the listeners. No weekly update today. Malcolm Honline is traveling, so we will not have a weekly update today. We have a scheduled, we've asked uh, Yaakov Katz, the editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post. Yaakov Katz, the editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, is going to be joining us at 7.50 Eastern Time this morning. 7.50 Eastern Time this morning. Yaakov Katz, Jerusalem Post, joins us here at... Um, JM and the AM. Looking forward to it. A lot to talk about, quite obviously. All of you, I am sure at this point, are aware of um, what has happened in the Barcelona. Um, the Barcelona crash, a van plowed into crowds in Barcelona on Thursday, and Spanish media reported at least 13 killed. And what police said they were treating as a terrorist attack. Uh, the Las Ramblas Avenue media report said the van had zigzagged at speed down the famous avenue, a magnet 
for tourists. According to the AP, a van veered onto a sidewalk and sped down a busy pedestrian zone Thursday in Barcelona's picturesque Las Ramblas district. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Swerving from side to side as a mowed down tourist and residents and turned the popular European vacation spot into a bloody killing zone. 13 people killed, 100 injured, 15 seriously, in what authorities called a terror attack. Victims were left sprawled in the street, bleeding or, or, or broken limbs. Others fled in panic, screaming or carrying young children in their arms. ISIS claimed responsibility, saying uh, that the attack was carried out by soldiers of the Islamic State in response to the terrorist group's calls for followers to target countries participating in the coalition, trying to drive it from Syria and Iraq. After the attack, Las Ramblas went into lockdown. Swarms of police brandishing handguns and automatic weapons launched a manhunt in the downtown district, ordering stores and cafes and public transport to shut down. Several hours later, they reported two arrests. A Spanish national from a Spanish-run enclave in North Africa, and the other a Moroccan. Both denied being the driver of the van. Thursday's bloodshed was the country's deadliest attack since 2004. Uh, That was the Madrid commuter train attack that we remember. And um, that is the latest. So the... um, the terrorism has now revisited Barcelona, or I should say has revisited Spain. And um, as many of you know, uh, in the area of uh, what was described to us as the only kosher restaurant in Barcelona as well. And we pray for those who are, um, who are recovering from their injuries, as uh, I just mentioned, over 115 of them serious, and of course our Condolences to all the families who are suffering because of the uh, brutal, murderous activities of yet another group of terrorists. JM and the AM Friday at the 7.50 this morning. Yaakov Katz, editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, joins us live here at JM and the AM. Make sure to be tuned in. Leif Tahar is next. We bench Rosh Chodesh Shabbos. More words from the Rosh Chodesh benching at JM and the AM. Shazam! 
יש דברים קצת קשים, לא צריך לדאוג שאלות בחיים שלא נותנות מנוח מלחמות בעולם, לא צריך לדאוג דאגות על המחר, קצת לא בטוח השכנים מרעישים, לא צריך לדאוג והלחץ בכבישים, אז תעצור לרגע גם אם קשה לך, אל תעצור, תמשיך לרוץ אם תיפול, אז תקום, לא קרה כלום in the AM, Levy Cohen with Matana here on a Friday morning broadcast, JM in the AM. It's a good song. Uh, before that, you heard the um, Elul Nigun done by Eitan Katz. I assume you're going to be hearing that a lot over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> it is, after all, the Elul Nigun. When do we start saying the David Hashem Ori? I guess Tuesday night, right? Tuesday night we start saying it, I, I, I would think. Uh, that really means it's Elul, right? And Slichos in our Sephardic Friends uh, community, I believe, would be Thursday, right? I guess Thursday it starts. Wow. Um, Baruch Levine with Yom Zeh. You heard Chaim done by Leif Tahar from the Birchas HaChodesh, Vivenshosh Chodesh Shabbos. Leviathan had Ein Od Milvado. Mordechai Shapiro in there with Kimalacha. Friday morning in America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored 
digital radio, around the world in the web at NachumSegal.com, on the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Friday morning on this hour of Shabbos, Parsha's Re'eh, with candle lighting at 729. 729, well, Ben Rosh Chodesh Elul, Rosh Chodesh Tuesday and Wednesday. There's no weekly update today. Malcolm Honeline's travel schedule does not allow it. Coming up at 7.50 this morning, we've invited the uh, editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, Yaakov Katz, editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, will be joining us coming up here at JM in the AM. That's happening at about 7.50 Eastern Time this morning here at JM in the AM. About 7.50 Eastern Time this morning here at JM in the AM. So we'll have that for you coming up. Rabbi Yudin, of course, at about 8.15 on the Parsha's Re'eh and plenty more, as you would suspect, between now and 9 a.m. Naomi Nachman coming up at 9. Her encore will uh, feature cookbook author Victoria Dweck and organizer Jill Dushy. Naomi will be also presents part one of her interviews with uh, Moses Wendell, executive chef at Beast, and Alex Remmer, executive chef at Fireside. Very interesting table for two between 9 and 10 this morning. Coming up at 10 o'clock, the Arab Shabbos Show, uh, sponsored by our friends at Kedem, Mark Zamek hosts. And then, of course, the Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candle lighting time, brought to you by our friends at Kedem. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JMN. מתקפת הטרור בספרד עלה ל-14 מספר הנרצחים בשני הפיקויים אמש בברסלונה ובעיירת נופש סמוכה. תחומי הביטחון עדיין מנהלים מצוד אחרי חשוד המרכזי בתא הטרור שביצע את הפיגועים. כתבנו נתנאל דרשן. האישה שנפצעה אנושות בפיגוע הדריסה הלילה בעיירה קמבריז מתה מפצעיה בבית החולים. הרשויות בצפרד עדיין מנהלות מצוד אחר מוסה וכביר כבן 17 שעל פי החשד נהג ברכב המסחרי שדרס למוות 13 בני אדם בברצלונה אתמול ופצע יותר ממאה. גופי החקירה בספרד מעריכים כי מאחורי שני הפיגועים בספרד עומד תא טרור בעל 12 חברים אשר תכננו לבצע פיגוע באמצעות שימוש במכלי גז. ומבדיקה שערכו אנשי השגרירות בספרד לא נמצאו שמות של ישראלים ברשימות הנפגעים. עם זאת עדיין לא נוצר קשר עם ישראלי אחד. נשיא המדינה ראובן ריבלין שלח איגרת תנחומים למלך ספרד פיליפה השישי. כתבנו ניר שוויד. באיגרת כתב נשיא המדינה ריבלין, שמענו בזעזוע על פיגוע הטרור האכזרי בברצלונה, אשר גבה את חייהם של כל כך הרבה חפים מפשע. ליבנו מחשבותינו עם העם בספרד בזמנים קשים אלה. העם בישראל מצטרף אליי בהבעת הצער על האובדן העצום של חיים. אנא העבר את תנחומינו העמוקים למשפחות השכולות ולעם בספרד, ואת איחולנו להחלמה מהירה לכל הפצועים. כך ריבלין. פועל בניין בשנות החמישים לחייו נפצע באורח בינוני לאחר שנפל מגובה של כשלושה מטרים באתר בנייה בשדרות. כתבנו רמי שני מוסר כי הוא פונה בידי מד"א לבית החולים ברזילי באשקלון. אתמול נהרגו שלושה פועלי בניין בתאונות שהתרחשו ברחבי הארץ. הולך רגל בן 65 נפצע באורח בינוני בראשו מפגיעת רכב ברחוב החרושת בחרמיאל. הוא פונה לבית החולים בנהריה. אם כן, כתבנו קובי מנדל. מנקה בסניף דואר חשוד בגנבת אלפי חבילות שנשלחו מחוץ לארץ לישראל. העובד נתפס על ידי קצין הביטחון של הסניף ברחובות. המשטרה עיכבה את החשוד, תושב העיר בן 55. כתבתנו עדה שטייף מוסרת כי בביתו נתפסו אלפי פריטי דואר גנובים. התחזית לסוף השבוע התחממות נוספת. אלה החדשות שערך היום אילנה אהרונוב, בצוות עופרה ארליך ועמית פומפס.
Oh, boy, 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 
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning broadcast. Uh, before that, just trying to catch up here. Uh, before that, you heard Nachas, Tzur Yisrael, off of Vizchar Zeh here at um, J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning on this 18th of August, the 26th of Av. Good morning. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Re'eh, candlelighting at 729. Welcome back to those who've been in summer camp all summer. Uh, to those who are still in summer camp for this Shabbos, we say hi to you as well. Uh, from what I hear, Ohad was up at Camp Aguda last night. So uh, a big yashikach to Camp Aguda. They brought a uh, an amazing and incredible performer in Ohad, as you know, uh, to camp last night. And I'm sure it was an amazing and incredible concert, to say the least. Want to take this opportunity and wish a mazel tov this coming uh, Sunday is the wedding of Eliana Mandel and David Schwartz. Mazel tov going out to Aheshi and Miriam Schwartz in Flatbush, Brooklyn. And, of course, to Susan and David Mandel. We wish them a very, very special Mazel tov. And, um, and that's happening this coming Sunday. Again, to the Schwartz and Mandel families, Mazel tov from all of us here at JMNAM. I was in touch with David yesterday by email. Wish them a very special Mazel Tov. Again, that's happening on Sunday. Mazel Tov to the Mandel and Schwartz families from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com. They have really stepped up their game in terms of uh, utilizing our content. I think we had a lot of great content this week, including our 
conversation with the U.S. Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. Um, a big, big thank you to OnlySimchas.com. We recommend you check them out every single day, at least once a day, with all their Simcha news and, of course, all their very important news. I mean, the Simcha news is important. We know that. Uh, but they also have a lot of other important news as well that uh, you should be checking out on a daily basis. And a lot of our content... Um, a lot of our content is utilized in their news feed, which is a, uh, which is frankly a tremendous, uh, tremendous um, honor for us to be included in the only Simchas news feed and news items from around the world. So thank you uh, very much to OnlySimchas.com. Uh, yesterday, you know what the news is about. Yesterday, uh, this. Um, murderous terrorist attack in Barcelona, 13 dead, 100 injured, 15 seriously injured. A, um, the worst attack in Spain since 2004, since the commuter train attack. And, um, We like uh, analyzing the news on this program. Malcolm Honline not available to us today. He is traveling. He's not available to us today. Uh, at 7.50 this morning, Yaakov Katz, editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, is going to be joining us. Yaakov Katz, editor-in-chief, Jerusalem Post, will be joining us this morning here at JM in the AM. That is at 7.50 Eastern time. So get ready for that, and we will um, speak with him just about uh, 35 minutes from now here at JM in the AM. Uh, Yaakov Shweki's out with an album entitled Those Were the Days. This is the Kalbach medley off of that collection. You are listening to JM in the AM.
J.M. and the A.M. Yaakov Shweki off of Those Were the Days with the Kalbach medley. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candle lighting just about 12 hours from now, 729 later on in the New York area. Candle lighting on this Erev Shabbos parshas where a Rosh Chodesh coming up. Rosh Chodesh begins Monday night. It'll be a two-day Rosh Chodesh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday and Wednesday, a two-day Rosh Chodesh. Mazel Tov going out to um, Eliana Mandel and David Schwartz. With special greetings to Heshi and Miriam Schwartz of Flatbush and, of course, to Susan and David Mandel. Big wedding is coming up Sunday. We say mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. When you see uh, David um, or Susan or any of the Bale Simcha, make sure to mention you heard about it here on JM in the AM. Give them a very, very big Mazel Tov wish. 75 degrees, thunderstorms today with a high of 84. Much better day tomorrow in this area. Shabbos looks good once we get past the thunderstorms of today and tonight. Naomi Nachman, table for two, coming up between 9 and 10. And then the uh, encore presentation of the Arab Shabbos show, Mark Zamek hosts. And uh, that is sponsored by our friends at Kedem. Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami tomorrow night at 9 o'clock. We'll feature Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler and the Torah portion and plenty more. And then headlines at 11 p.m. tomorrow night with uh, David Lichtenstein. Make sure to be tuned into all of it here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, Yaakov Katz, editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, joins us 20 minutes from now, uh, 7.50 Eastern time this morning, coming up at JM in the AM.
کالوی سونو بوی کالوی سونو بی کارای بی کابیت بی کابیت نداخته می آربا کن فویس هورت
sholaim ahateres balokam brina uvitzalo toich emunei aham segulo oyi chalo shavos malkeso oyi sholaim. Ateres valo kam brina uvitzalo toy emune uvei aham segulo mohi chalo shavos malgezo.
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning. Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos Mavarchim, in fact. How do you like that? Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday is Rosh Chodesh Elul. Um, Bowie was Mendy Werdiger. You heard Michal Schnitzler with Huyigal. Chaverim with Michal Przanski. Words from Birchas HaChodesh. Candlelighting 729 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas. Ray Malcolm Honline is uh, not able to uh, join us today. His schedule will not allow. Uh, sounds like a travel you know, landing at the last minute type thing. Uh, so weekly update will continue next week. Later on this morning, actually eight minutes from now, eight minutes from now, Yaakov Katz, editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post. Yaakov Katz, editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, scheduled to join us here at JM and the AM. So we'll have that coming up for you, plus our Ayudin at 8.15, of course, and plenty more. Brand new Avi Peretz at JM and the AM.
JM and the AM, it's Baruch Levine. Friday morning broadcast on this Erev Shabbos Parshas. We're a candle lighting at 729 here in the New York area. Thanks to everybody uh, listening in from around the world. No weekly update this week as we described. Malcolm's schedule will not allow it, the travel schedule. Uh, that'll return next week, please, God. Thunderstorms in the New York area with a high temperature of 84. Better day tomorrow, so Shabbos will certainly improve in this area as time goes by. Uh, Yaakov Katz has graciously uh, agreed to join us, and I thank him. He is editor-in-chief at the Jerusalem Post. Yaakov Katz, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Greatly appreciated. Uh, well, we know what happened in the Barcelona yesterday, and one of the uh, one of the things that actually your publication and your online presence always reminds us about, thankfully, is when these things happen, unfortunately, around the world, is uh, whether these areas are hot spots for Israeli tourism. What do we know about Barcelona and uh, whether it attracts Israelis or not during the month of August? Oh, you have a ton of Israelis who are traveling there in the month of August, right? Well, so, you know, I think... Uh it was just yesterday or, or, or tomorrow that they're expecting the largest volume of, uh, of Israeli travelers coming through Ben Gurion Airport, departing and arriving, uh, reaching over 100,000 in a single day, which is a, a high number for Israel. But you have a lot of them that go to Spain. Spain is nearby. It's fairly relatively uh, inexpensive to get there. And there's a lot of travel holiday packages, flight plus hotel plus tourism and, and tour guide and that kind of thing. So you have a lot of Israelis who travel there. And also, let's not forget that this attack took place right outside a kosher restaurant, which a lot of, right. I think, Jews and, uh, and Israelis frequent over the years and are familiar with. So, uh, so it's definitely an area that's highly uh, populated and visited by Israelis and by Jews. I saw some report, like a fleeting report that I saw yesterday about um, Israeli authorities concerned about unaccounted for Israelis. Have you heard anything like that, where there, there are Israelis that are in Barcelona or known to be in Barcelona who just haven't been tracked down yet? Well, uh, what happens in Israel is immediately after uh, something like this happens, a terror attack on a, on a large scale, and we've seen the numbers of people killed and, it, and wounded, and this, is, this would definitely constitute uh, a mass casualty terrorist attack. Uh, and, you know, also the, the, the van and, and, and other terrorists involved. I mean, this is not just one isolated incident, and there was a second attack later in the evening. Right. So what you have is uh, at the foreign ministry, they, they set up the situation room, and there they start to uh, field phone calls from, let's say, concerned parents or concerned relatives of, you know, I've been trying to track down my brother, sister, uncle, aunt, father for the past few hours and haven't been able to get through to them. Can you help us? Can you, you know, use your people on the ground, the consul general, the ambassador, other embassy Israeli representatives who are based in, Bar- in, in Spain to try to help? And, and that's what they do. Um, I think because of the location of this attack, you had the prime minister himself, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, who also serves in another hat as Israel's foreign minister, came to the Situation Room to oversee things uh, at some point yesterday, because I think there was an initial concern that you might have uh, a number of Israelis and, and Jews who would be injured in this attack. Uh, so he, he got involved himself on a personal level. But th- that's basically what happens, is, as far as I know, you know, Usually in these cases, it's people who just are off the grid or are partying or having a good time, and that seems to have been the case here as well. Yaakov Katz, Editor-in-Chief, Jerusalem Post. I don't even know if there's a, a, a an accurate way to answer this question, but uh, aside from um, aside from stepping up their own security, I can imagine you know Jerusalem restaurants and Tel Aviv restaurants you know, were more concerned yesterday after this happened. And, and besides the call for people you know, to leave foreign countries and move to Israel— in what other ways do Israelis react 
to these types of attacks around the world. Is there a general sense that you could describe for us? Well, I think Israelis react to it in two different ways. One is, you know, it gives them a feeling of what's happening by us is also happening other places in the world, that this isn't something that's unique just against Israelis and against Jews, right? Let's not forget. I think I saw it with like a CNN tweet or a little short video where they spoke, where they tweeted out where uh, um, uh, these kind of drive attacks, ramming attacks have taken place in other cities around the world, and they neglected to mention Israel, right, or <laughs> Jerusalem, or Tel Aviv. I mean, these are, these have been happening, they were created, invented in Israel, right? yeah. <laughs> against Israelis, and now they're being used in other places. Uh, but I think that that's on the one hand. On the other hand, though, you get that, that, that exactly what the CNN tweet tells me is that double standard that we keep on encountering, right, is how as if Jewish blood is, is less valuable than, than other blood. And, and, and how, how is it, why is a ramming attack in, in, in Barcelona something that warrants to be included in that tweet, but a ramming attack that took place in Jerusalem where you had a baby that was killed a couple of years ago or other incidents like that don't, don't even get mentioned as if they don't happen. Like somehow those ramming attacks are different, right? Yeah. So it's important to keep in mind those two things, is that first of all, for the Western world, what happens in Israel it usually just originates there, but it tends to spread. And we see this constantly. We saw that with suicide bombers, right? Remember when they started in Israel in 2005, just as sure. an example, they blew up in, in London, right? We saw that with uh, with ramming attacks just now, stabbing yeah. intifada we had in Israel. We saw stabbings on streets of Europe. Um, you know, this is something that spreads. And, and until the Western world realizes that and starts to condemn and act swiftly when it occurs in a place like Israel, it's going to continue to spread to their countries as well. On the double standard issue, remember after the Bataclan attack, the hesitation to include Prime Minister Netanyahu in the in the march and the and the you know observances that were going on in Paris. Of course, I yeah. remember. You know, and 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 they kind of pushed him. I remember in that march that they had to the second right. row, and, and there was a whole you know tumult about that. But look, it, it, the, the world has yet to realize that. Israel is at the forefront of this battle against terrorism. And until they, they recognize that, that simple fact, right, and give Israel the support that it needs, and I'm put peace aside for a moment, this has nothing to do with the Palestinian question, this has to do with the fight on terror, only then will they also be able to effectively fight terror. Yaakov Katz, Jerusalem Post editor-in-chief. Let's go back from terrorism back to what you described earlier in, in tourism. And this 100,000 figure, we were in Israel uh, Tuesday, this quick turnaround landing with Nefesh Beneficent and coming right back. Uh, it, it's funny because I, I, I said to the people with me that it just seemed on a regular Tuesday afternoon, you know, I always think that, you know, the evening is more of a, a more traffic time in the uh, in the airport. Maybe that's only, you know, for New York area flights. But a regular Tuesday afternoon, it, it was almost impossible to navigate passport control, get through the crowds and to you know, just make it through the airport. Is Israel, is there any word about Israeli authorities at Ben Gurion actually having trouble with the number of people that, that they've, you know, escalated to? Look, they beef up, they beef up uh, employees and, and presence in the summer months. But, you know, it, 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 we tend to forget Israel is, a, is, you know, usually tend to look at a small little country, isolated, you know, besieged, right? But you have the 6 million Jews, 8 million Israelis, including 2 million Arabs. They love to travel, right? right? And they travel a heck of a lot. And, you know, you'll you'll probably hear stories all the time of, you know, I was in South America, I was in India, I was in, you know, Timbuktu or wherever, some far corner of the earth, and who did I bump into a group of Israelis? They're they're all over the place. (laughs) Plus Chabad's reputation is getting enhanced by all the Israeli presence around the world. Of course, right? Chabad has built up an empire because Mm -hmm. of all these Israeli backpackers. but. 
the, uh, the, the, the Israelis who travel, so come August, the country effectively shuts down, right? And people are, are you know, government shuts down, uh, almost all offices go on break, uh, big offices at least. So you, you have a lot of people who are traveling, a lot are going outside the country. I think, you know, I saw a statistic also not long ago how uh, around Pesach time, you had hundreds of thousands of Israelis who left the country. Now, remember, we're just 8 million people. At the moment, you have hundreds of thousands, <laughs> 400,000 people who left over Pesach. I mean, that's a significant percentage of your entire population, right? And, 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 you know, it was like a fifth of Israel's population. That's astounding. What other country does a fifth of its population actually leave, right? So, you know, you, you, Israelis love to travel. They love to see the world. I think it has a lot to do with the fact that Israel is a small little country, but it also has, I think it shows a lot of of Israel standing today also in the world. You know, there are the challenges, there are the problems, but people want Israeli tourists. People are encouraging Israelis to come visit their countries because they know that these are, they're educated, they're smart, they spend money. You know, those are the kind of tourists you want to get. Yaakov Katz with us. He's editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. You reacted in an article uh, to what happened in Charlottesville and President Trump's reaction with, with many quotes. Here's one of them from the article. Being president does not make someone a leader. Leadership is attained through the actions of women and men who do what is right, even if it is not always popular. Trump failed in one of the most basic an elementary test. Now, you have sent this out and, and obviously made this public. Uh, the reaction to your article, people felt you were too tr- tough on Trump or not tough enough? Uh, to be honest, people thought I was quite tough. Right. But I, I think it was a moment that we as Jews, and I, and I definitely view my job as the editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, as the editor-in-chief of a newspaper that is the most important newspaper in the Jewish world and caters to, to, to the readers of the to the members of the Jewish world and the, mem- and the members of the Jewish community. And therefore, I think that when there is a, a, uh, an equation or there is a moral equivalence, it seems, between uh, neo-Nazis on one side, and, you know, they could be left-wing or alt-left, as the president called, called them, I don't know, right, on the, on, the, on the left side or on the other side, on the opposing side. It's something that we need to stand up and very clearly say this is an equivalence that we will not accept. And I think that, you know, 70-plus years after World War II, right, or after uh, the, the Holocaust, and to have these flags and people chanting, Jews will not replace us, walking through the streets of Charlottesville, and for, for the president to say there were some fine people among them. Well, I think when, when, when you have a march of where people are saying Jews will not replace us, no one who's in that march is going to be a fine person. These are all people who we need to oppose, and we need to be very clear on that. So I, I felt that as... You know, as, as, as the Jerusalem Post, we had to make a very clear statement that this is something that we, we are against. Now, with that said, that doesn't uh, you know, mean that I think the president himself is an anti-Semite or a neo-Nazi. Not at all. Far from it. But I think that you need moral clarity in a moment like this, and that was something that I felt was missing. So you're not, uh, you're not avoiding or denying the potential damage from the left. You're just looking at it as an, at, you know, in isolation it, as a separate topic, and that is that if neo-Nazis are marching— and, uh, and, and certainly, you know, if, if, if one goes ahead and under, undertakes murderous activity, terrorism, uh, they have to be condemned unequivocally. Let, but let, let, me, let me tell you even more than that. You know, I, I grew up in Chicago before moving to Israel 24 years ago. My grandparents are Holocaust survivors. My, my grandparents lived in Skokie, Illinois, ah. and were very active right. in trying to prevent the neo-Nazis from marching in Skokie back in the late 1970s. Sure. Right? 
Jimmy Carter, who was then the president at the time, made a very clear statement, right? This is, you know, it was the courts that, 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 that this was taken to. The ACLU actually defended the neo-Nazis and the right for freedom of speech to, to, to march there, right. which is itself shameful, but put that aside for a moment. But he made a very clear statement that this is something that's unacceptable, right, as president of the United States. And I think that that is, that is something that we need to hear as well on, on issues like this. There are things that there are lines that are not crossed. There's no gray in some matters. And, and when it comes to these types of issues, you have to make a very clear moral and principle uh, statement. And that's what I meant with, my, with what I wrote, that right. quote that you said about being president. Being president isn't just getting to that lofty position. It's also about how do you take your people and lead them and steer them in a direction that is a positive direction. And this was that opportunity that I felt that President Trump missed. I, 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 and I'm not saying this applies to you seriously. With all due respect, I'm not saying this applies to you, but I think to a degree, some people find it difficult to take the media's criticism on a specific issue of the president seriously when they criticize him on every issue, when they have never have a nice thing to say about him. So. Look, I agree. I mean, I, I, I tend to also, you know, I read the New York Times, I read the Washington Post, I read what's called the mainstream media, you know, the MSM, what they refer to as the liberal media. Right. And, I, and I see uh, this, this obsession to constantly attack the, the, the president. You know, there's also a similar situation, by the way, in Israel right now, where there's certain media in Israel that seems to constantly be attacking the prime minister of Israel. Now, let me, let me give you that example. You know, we know how to be critical of Prime Minister Netanyahu. There's investigations that are going on right now. But we also know how to complement and... and and, and favorably cover where favor is due and where those compliments are, 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 are necessary. And, you know, so no, nothing is, is black and white. And I think also the same applies to the president. Look, his visit to Israel was astounding. I personally wrote in my name how it was historic on so many different levels when the president came to Israel a few months ago. Right. You know, so there's a lot of good in this relationship between President Trump and the Jewish community, between President Trump and Israel. Uh, ties are going to a whole new level right now as we speak. You have a, a, a very senior Israeli delegation that's here in the United States, right, from the, the head of Israel's Mossad, the head of Israel's uh, Amman, the, the military intelligence, Israel's national security advisor, are here meeting with the top National Security Council officials in, in America. Uh, General Mike Master is leading the U.S. side of those talks, right? Mm-hmm. So... Those, those, that relationship, the bilateral ties between Israel and the United States, are reaching new levels as we speak. But still, despite that, and we know how to, how to give that the right coverage that it needs, you also have to point out, and I think that's the job of the newspaper and the job of the media, is to be the watchdog for democracy, is when values that we hold dearly, and I think we as the Jewish community hold these values dearly, we have to speak up. Now, let's put politics aside for a moment. I know it's difficult, and I know that the environment is volatile, mm-hmm. and it's politically volatile, right. but there are some issues that you have to take a very principled stand on. Got it. Yaakov Katz with us. He is the editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post. Finally, and again, I don't know if it's fair to ask you for predictions, but we're so curious, especially from thousands of miles away. Uh, you just mentioned the accusations against the prime minister, and of course his wife is uh, is also a target of a potential indictment. I mean, number one, will either or both of them actually get indicted? And can you describe for us the level, low or high, of the accusations against them? Uh, that, that, that's a difficult question to answer in you know just a few seconds. But the uh, excuse me for one second. Yes, sir. Sorry. The the the, the 
you have to divide into two. There's the investigations against the Prime Minister's wife, Sarah Netanyahu, that there seems to be a recommendation by the police. Well, there already is a recommendation by the police that to indict her for the housekeeping affair, right? right? The misuse of, of uh, state funds in running the homes of the Prime Minister, the one on Belfort Street in Jerusalem, as well as the one in Caesarea. That, that, that's their private residence, but it is maintained a court by the state budget. Um, the attorney general has yet to make a final decision, but from reports that have been coming out in the press in Israel, it seems that the direction is going to be two press charges against her. That's number one. I, I you know, I wouldn't expect to see Sarah Netanyahu behind uh, prison bars anytime right. soon. But that, you know, that'll 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 be a uh, that will be an uncomfortable and inconvenient situation to have the prime minister's wife, you know, going to court and, and facing uh, charges. The prime minister is currently facing two, and I call it two and a half investigations. The first one is the gift probe. And there, you see, the problem there is that the dry law is very clear. You are not allowed as a state and government employee to receive gifts. Call the Homer, right, even more so to receive gifts on an industrial scale, as it seems that Prime Minister Netanyahu was receiving from some friends, the cigars, the champagne, the jewelry, and other stuff, right? That is just completely illegal. You don't have to prove a quid pro quo. It's not as if I give you a gift and, you know, you, you put me on your radio show all the time, right? <laughs> that would be a quid pro quo. That's not the case here. It's enough just for you to get, for, for, for the prime minister to get the gifts for charges to be pressed. But here you have to ask yourself a simple question. Do you throw a government into political, or not a government, a country into political, up, political upheaval? I mean, think about how much elections cost. Billions of shekels, right? It creates governmental paralysis because the moment elections are declared, all ministries basically have to shut down. They can't really function. No new initiatives. No big programs are going to be able to be pushed through. And that lasts for about a year between the election season to when you start to form the government, to when new ministers come into office and they have to start to learn the ropes. So this, this, this basically throws the, the country into paralysis for a year. Is it worth doing that? Because the prime minister did something wrong, got gifts. On a large scale, wrong, bad, according to the dry law. But do you want to do that because of something like this? There's no if there's no quid pro quo. Quid pro quo takes it to a whole new level, bribery, right. right? But that's the question I think that the attorney general is grappling with right now. The second probe has to do with the uh, um, the Hornot, those conversations that were recorded between him and the owner of Yidiota Hornot, the large mass circulation newspaper in Israel. That it seemed that Netanyahu was offering to cut back on circulation of Israel Ayom, a paper owned by Sheldon Adelson, which he's close to, um, in exchange for more favorable coverage of Yidiotachonot. If that was the case, and Prime Minister actually acted on that, then that could actually be bribery. So that's something that's a little different. They're currently still investigating that one. And I say half an investigation because of the submarine affair which I'm not going to get into right now, but could potentially at some stage also drag Netanyahu into it, although it seems at the moment that he's not. All of this together creates political vulnerability. And that means that, you know, when, when, when let's put it like this way, when there's blood in the water, the political sharks, they, they smell it. And, yeah. and there's blood in the water right now. Netanyahu is vulnerable. He's a little more politically weak. And that throws everything up into the air. Will there be elections early? Will there not? How much longer will he be able to stay on for uh, what happens once an indictment is, is submitted and charges are pressed? There's a lot of big question marks right now, and, and that vulnerability makes other politicians feel that they can actually do something. So I would keep a close eye on this. It's, it's going to stay interesting for a while. So. And the most interesting part, as you just alluded to, will be checking out who's positioning themselves, who's, who's becoming a bit more vocal, who's, becoming, who's trying to become you know, more of a leader on the political scene in Israel. 100%. You've got the competing party heads who are definitely, you know, maneuvering as we speak. 
but also think within Likud itself, right? right. If Netanyahu goes, Likud will need a new chairman, and there's a lot of people there who are kind of jostling for that position. So it's going to be it's going to be an interesting political season. I think once we get back, probably after the Chayim, things will start to pick up a bit more. You know, after Sukkot, so the, the Knesset is still on uh, is on recess until until after then, and then things will start to get a little more interesting. Yaakov Katz, can't thank you enough. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and have a Shabbat Shalom. You too, thank you. Yaakov Katz is editor-in-chief at the Jerusalem Post. Amazing analysis. Um, check it out. Go to J-Post. You can go to J-Post and see his uh, his articles, certainly, and obviously all the news stories that Jerusalem Post is on top of on a, a regular basis, uh, hour by hour, minute by minute, frankly. Candle lighting at 729. Oh, that's interesting. On our app, someone just commented, our Israeli son is now traveling in Mongolia. First day, he met other Israelis. Yeah, I guess uh, what Yaakov just told us is 100% true. Seems every uh, exotic to, uh, well, maybe not so exotic country around the world is enjoying the presence of Israelis, especially this time of year. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. It's JM in the AM. Weekly update uh, returns next week. Malcolm was not able to join us uh, due to a travel schedule thing, um, which happens, of course, especially during the summer. So he'll return, uh, please God, next week with the weekly update. With us here at JM and the AM, or by Uden and plenty more coming up if you keep it right here at JM and the AM. We started out as slaves Made it to the motherland And they came the crusades It's been so many years Crying so many tears Don't you know, don't you really know We are pushed to the ground Through our faith we are found Standing strong The Spanish Inquisition Wanted us to bow but our backs ain't gonna bend Never then and never now It's been so many years Crying so many tears Don't you know, don't you really know We are pushed to the ground Through our faith we are found Standing strong We are a miracle We are a miracle Chosen with love and embraced from above, we are a miracle. Extermination was the plan when the devil was a man. But the few who carried on lived the millions who are gone. So many years crying, so many tears Don't you know, don't you really know We are pushed to the ground Through our faith we are found Standing strong We are a miracle We are a miracle We were chosen with love And embraced from us 
Every day we fight a battle On the news we are the stars As history repeats itself And makes us who we are Hate is all around us But we'll be here to sing this song Thank <laughs> you. 
J.M. in the A.M. Yaakov Shweki. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parshas Re'e. Candlelighting at 729 in New York. Big shout out to our friends at OnlySimchas.com. Our friends at OnlySimchas.com. Uh, continue to utilize a lot of our great content for their uh, news site. So much great news on their site. A lot of great stories. I'm going through them. I'm going through some of them right now, in fact. Um... Anyway, thank you, OnlySimchas.com. If you want the latest Simcha news and if you want the uh, latest uh, good news about uh, Israel and the Jewish world in general, go to OnlySimchas.com every single day and enjoy. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good have Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pashas Re'ei. Pashas Re'ei has many mitzvos according to the Chinuch 65, 27 positive and 38 restrictions. Within Pashas Re'ei, you have the mitzvah of tzedakah. You have one of my favorite mitzvos, that of Maser Sheni. What is that? That's the imposed vacation that the Torah places on the Jewish farmer. That in addition to the truma that he gives to the Kohen and the Maser that he gives to the Levi, but in the first and second, fourth and fifth year of the Shemitah cycle, he is to go to Yerushalayim with an additional 10% of his produce, either take it there and eat it there, or exchange the money of that 10% and use that money in Yerushalayim not to buy furniture and to leave, but to be spent on food that you will spend time in Yerushalayim because the Torah wants you to imbibe literally Yerushalayim. You'll get the spirit, the mad tilmad liyura. You'll come to literally fear God, an imposed vacation. I don't believe any other culture has this fantastic idea that we could and should be so proud of. I'd like to focus this morning not on specifically any mitzvah, but rather that which is part of a mitzvah. The Torah teaches us that you are to bring your korbanos to the place that Hashem will choose to rest His Shekhinah, His Divine Presence there. Interestingly, in the Torah, Yerushalayim is not mentioned by name, and you'll look in the Moran of who gives several reasons why not. It is interesting to note in Tanakh, Yerushalayim is mentioned more than 500 times. Uh, Go check how many times it's mentioned in the Koran, just to bring you up to date a little bit as to, you know, who this belongs to. But let's get focused. The Torah says that you are to come to the place that Hashem will choose. This is chapter 12, Pasuk 5. And the Shechno Sidrashu you shall literally seek out his presence 
and come there. What does that mean? The Shikhno Sidrishu, you are to seek out his presence. So this is understood on many different levels, but I find this to be an exceedingly uh, powerful and rich expression. So to begin with, the rabbis tell us in the Sifrei that Lashikhno Sidrishu means Drosh Alpin Navi, that you are to check. Where should you build the house of God? You have to check with a prophet. Okay, ask the prophet. Oh no, continues the Sifrei. Yochol, I might think, Tamtin, wait, wait until the Navi tells you. No, Talmud Lomar, the Shikhno Sidrishu Uvasashama. You are to do the investigation. You're to figure it out. And then afterwards, you go to the Navi, who'll say right or wrong. Now, interestingly, I have to tell you, couldn't make this up. Look in the Gemara, Zvachim 54b. And there you find that Dovin HaMelech and Shmuel HaNavi were uh, exploring where should the Beis HaMikdash be. And David's first choice was... Ein Eitam. Now, most of us have not visited Ein Eitam. It's close to Yerushalayim, but it's above it in terms of sea level because he thought it would be literally either the highest place. The bottom line is he goes to God Hanavi and no, try again. And sure enough, the try again is Yerushalayim. So if we're going to go with the word of the Navi anyway, why does David have to go through the process? And the answer is that the process itself is helping to create the relationship between God and the Jewish people. If he's going to reside in our midst, then we, by readying his house, by we, by focusing and putting our time and effort into determining where it's going to be, that effort in of itself is part and parcel of the process of the mitzvah of having a base hamigdash. And interestingly, the Ritziv, in his commentary on this Pasuk, again, chapter 12, Pasuk 5, this week's parsha. next time you're at a wedding, Mincha or Mayriv, and, okay, where's Mizrach? Which way is east? Which is the way we face here, in this hemisphere, facing Yerushalayim. Now, where do we know that you're supposed to face Yerushalayim when you David? And the Nitziv says it's based on the Pasuk in this week's parsha of L'Shichno Sidrashu that you are to investigate, and therefore taking out that compass on your phone. Why is it there? So that you can see which way is east, so you can fulfill that biblical mitzvah, the idea of connecting with Yerushalayim when you pray, recognizing that tefillah goes through Yerushalayim upstairs. Next, the idea of this L'Shich no Sidrashu, the Ramban says something very powerful. He says, first of all, it awakens within him the messianic prophecy as found in chapter 2 of Yeshaya, whereby in chapter 2, Pasuk 3, delicious Pasuk, what's going to happen? Vahochu amim rabim, many peoples, nations will go, the Amru, and they're going to say, Lechu venale al harashem, 
let us ascend to the mountain of Hashem. And the next Pasuk is, and forgive me, the same Pasuk continues, Ki mitzion Torah. Why are we going there? Because from Zion, Torah will emerge. Now, what does this mean? All the nations are going to say, let's go up. And basically they're going to ask, hey, how do you get there? Which way to Yerushalayim? And that reminds me of a delicious Gemara in Makos 10b. Now, on next week's parsha of Shoftim, the Torah says regarding the Ir Miklot, regarding the cities of refuge, Tochin mark the ways. What does that mean? That when you have a crossroad, so you put an arrow which way to the Ir Miklot. So the Gemara teaches us that there's signs so that a person who is a accidental uh, homicide, such a person, he would have not to knock on doors. Which way to the Emiklat? Which way to Emiklat? Which is somewhat embarrassing that unfortunately he is an accidental murderer. But the idea is we avoid that embarrassment. But the rabbis go on to teach us that there were no signs pointing to Yerushalayim. You want to know why? Because they wanted people to knock on doors and say, which way to Yerushalayim? Oh, funny you should ask. It's this way. It's to the right. It's to the left. It's north. And what's the reason for this? Because, hey, why are you going to Yerushalayim? Oh, I'm going to Yerushalayim because Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, there's a mitzvah to go to Yerushalayim. And the Tana Debei Eliyahu teaches that why was Elkanah privileged to have a son, Shmuel? Because this was quote-unquote his mitzvah. Doesn't mean he didn't do others, but this is the one that he excelled in. And as we're told in the beginning of the book of Shmuel, chapter 1, Pasuk 3, that he would go and he would go on a regular basis Year to year, Lishtachavos, Vilizbok Lashem, Bishilo. He went to Shilo, and the rabbis teach us that each time he went, he went a different way, meaning that he used one road this way, one highway this way, one highway the next time, so that each time he passed different communities, and each time he aroused people to go to the Beis HaKnesses. In this case here, it was the uh, base Hamikdash, the precursor of the base Hamikdash, the Mishkan that was in Shiloh. But this very powerful idea, I believe, is teaching us as well that we too are to be excited about the process of going to Shul. I'm going to share with you a very interesting Gemara. The Gemara is found in Sota. Soto 22a. And there, interestingly, the Gemara speaks about, and again, more interestingly, about even a woman. A woman who would go to a certain Beis HaKnesses, and she was asked by Rabbi Yochanan, why are you coming to this one, when after all, there are other Batei Knesios closer to your home? And you know what she answered him? 
and this is recorded in the Shulchan Arach, in Simon Tzadi. The Mishnah Brewer records this in Lamin Zayin. Schar Psios, that I have the reward, Yeshli. I have the reward of literally additional steps. When you go and you walk, now listen carefully, what does that mean? Everything being equal, if I have two synagogues in my town, and it's not raining, and I can go to the closer one or farther one, everything being equal, same kavana, alright? Same number of people, but if there are more people in the first one, more kavana in the first one, nothing to talk about. Or, the second one is the one that I have the most kavana. But everything being equal, there is this concept of schar which means literally just you're going there. Why? Because not just davening creates the relationship, but let's understand something. We have, they're about to get engaged, they are engaged. His meeting with her is not simply when they meet, but is going there. His mind is very much clearly focused on where am I going? I'm going to my beloved. And similarly, when we go to the base Hashem, the relationship, which is what tefillah is all about. And I have to tell you that Rav Hutna, Levracha, in his Pachad Yitzchak, in Rosh Hashanah, Maimar Hey, you'll take a look at paragraphs Gimel and Dalid. And he presents this Gemara from Sota of Sios, and he quotes a Maharal, that the Maharal makes a very fascinating distinction. What if I'm, I have in my town, I don't have a sukkah, for whatever the reason. I live in an apartment house, they wouldn't let me put one up. I don't have a sukkah. And there are two sukkahs in town that I can go to, one closer and one further. Do we say that just like when it comes to the base HaKnesses, everything being equal, if you can go to the further one, it's more schar psios, would we say the same regarding the sukkah? And the Maral says no. And I want you to hear why. Because the mitzvah of sukkah is simply an action. It's an important action. It's like taking a lulav. It's an important action. But once you have shaked, shaken the lulav, you are finished <coughs> with your mitzvah. You sat in the sukkah, you are finished. You heard the shofar, you are finished. Not so with tefillah. Tefillah is creating, establishing a relationship with Hashem. And the proof, says Rab Hutna, is as follows. Interestingly, you have, listen carefully now, finished the last bracha of Shemona Esrei, but you have not yet taken your three steps back. So you are still Odenu Omeid Lefnei Hashem. You're still standing before God. It has practical implications. It's Rosh Chodesh. Oy, 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 I forgot. If I took my three steps back, I've got to repeat the entire Shemona Esrei. If I have not yet taken my three steps back, I'm still in the capital P, presence of Hashem, then <clears throat> the halacha says you can go back to Yalem Yavu, I would say. Very, very interesting. The idea is that we have to take away from this week's parsha the concept of each and every one of us be an Elkanah. 
get others to come to the Beis HaKnesses and make your Beis HaKnesses inviting. What does that mean? Make sure that when someone new is in the Beis HaKnesses, go greet that person. Maybe they're coming during the week to say a Kaddish and greet them and make them feel at home. And guess what? they might very well come back again. But if they're going to be ignored, ouch, all too often, that will not happen. And they're not coming back so soon. The Sheikh knows Sidrishu, Uvasa Shama, is really making each and every one of us an ambassador for Hashem. What a privilege that is. If only we can live up to that privilege. and responsibility. Shabbat Shalom to all.
in the AM. Call you Mechayai, Benny Friedman. Before that, Shalshalas with Ashra Yishof of their volume number five here at um, JM in the AM. Can't believe this week is already uh, wrapping up, to be honest with you. Unbelievable. Naomi Nachman coming up next with an encore presentation of Table, excuse me, Table for Two. 10 a.m. for the Arab Shabbos show presented by Kedem, followed by the Arab Shabbos music mix presented by Kedem. That's all coming up here at JM and the AM. Or I should say after JM and the AM. Um, 
Uh, tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami. On uh, Sunday, Matis presents JM Sunday. Matis is coming up on a big anniversary, I believe. Isn't this coming up on this fifth anniversary with JM Sunday? I think so. Um, so Matis with JM Sunday coming up uh, 7 a.m. until 9 a.m. This coming Sunday morning, Eastern Time. Um, yeah, Eastern Time. Uh, on the Nahum Siegel Network. Rosh Chodesh Elul is Tuesday and Wednesday. Candle lighting 729 on this Erev Shabbos Parsha's Re'eh. I thank all of you for tuning in. An amazing week. Big kudos again to Nefesh Benefesh. What an amazing week. My thanks to Ambassador David Friedman. It was great speaking with him Tuesday. Uh, my thanks to Yaakov Katz, Jerusalem Post. Got him on today. Had a lot of interesting analysis to say the least. Uh, this is the brand new album by Avi Peretz that it seems everyone's talking about. Uh, it's called Kamo Eish. The opening selection is entitled Al Tefached, Al Tefached at JM in the AM. Shma, Shma Ben Adam, Olonlemean Shamach, Yatzelaola. Kohach mi bifnim, se akol 
Avi Peretz. Pretty amazing, huh? Want to wish a mazel tov to the Mandel and Schwartz families. We've been announcing this all morning long. David Mandel, one of the most amazing contributors to this radio broadcast for, I don't know, the last, what, 15, 20 years in that area? Something like that? Maybe more? We take this opportunity to wish him and Susan a very, very special mazel tov on Sunday uh, Eliana Mandel and David Schwartz are going to be married, please God. And uh, we take this opportunity again to wish Susan and David Mandel a very special Mazel Tov, as well as a very special Mazel Tov to Miriam and Heshi Schwartz in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Big Simcha coming up on Sunday, and we um, we wish them the very best from all of us and continue to thank David for his I, found, I I was looking for David's email address the other day, and I I came across a an email that he sent me on the day of our transition, which is uh, what like probably like thirty weeks ago today that in that area something like that, and it was so heartwarming and so nice. Just one example of how he's always behind us. I thank him very much. Wish the entire family a very special Mazel Tov. JM in the AM Friday. Guess what? It's time to say good Shabbos. Journeys at JM in the AM. Your candles will be burning They'll fill your 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world and the web. NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Speaking of Achenu Israel, a special shout-out to those who just made Aliyah this week who are uh, <laughs> already listening every afternoon to JM and the AM as they said they would. Much appreciated. Spread the word, everybody. Naomi Nachman, Table for Two Encore, coming up next between 9 and 10 Eastern Time. And then, of course, it is the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, and then the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix, all coming up between now and candlelighting time on the Nachum Siegel Network. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Siegel with Avrami. And, of course, Matas Weingast, JM Sunday, live between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Enhance your Sunday morning by listening to Matis. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Sigal reminding you remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.